Welcome to Striking a Chord, an Ernie Ball podcast. Today we have Ayla Tesler Mabe on the program. Ayla is a young rising guitar player who started gaining traction early on on YouTube and other social media. She was a founding member of Calpurnia, a band fronted by Stranger Things star Finn Wolfhard, who plays Mike Wheeler on the show. And she is the lead singer and guitar player of Ludic, hailing from Vancouver, British Columbia. Ayla and I were able to meet up for a quick chat a few weeks back at NAM. NAM being the big trade show for musical instruments, pro audio, all things musical that happens in Anaheim, California every year. So we talked about her influences and how the video game rock band actually inspired her to learn guitar and pursue her own music. We talk about releasing singles versus albums, which is, of course, a big question in the age of streaming. And we talk about her experiences playing in Calpurnia and in Ludic. Just a quick note, if you'd like to stay in touch with future episodes, please subscribe to this podcast in your preferred podcast app. Also, feel free to email us at strikingaccord at ernieball.com. Maybe you have a guest request, and if the stars align, maybe we can get that guest on the show. All right, let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, Ayla Tesler Mabe. Ayla Tesler Mabe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So we're here at NAM. Uh, for those of you who don't know, NAM's the big uh, yearly convention in the music industry. So it's crazy time here in Anaheim, California. So how has NAM been so far? Well, I've only been here for about an hour, but it's been spectacular as always, of course. Yeah. I mean, obviously, every time I come back, I think the shock of being in such an overwhelming environment, you know, it subsides a little bit. But obviously, it's like a massive music store. And it couldn't possibly be any cooler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the people watching isn't so bad either. Yeah, I think this is the best place to go to just see the most crazily dressed people. It is. I feel like it's unfortunately calmed down a little bit. So when I was a kid coming here, like, you know, when when hair metal was in charge, it was (laughs) just out of control. Yeah, though, luckily, a lot of people still are trying to emulate that. Yeah, it's still there. Nam's (laughs) always the place where you can you can find it still alive. I've seen at least 10 men who look exactly like Frank Zappa walk by me. (laughs) (laughs) I saw some guys that that were dressed up like Chewbacca. I don't know if you've seen them. Yeah, unfortunately not. I will keep my eyes out because that would make the whole experience that much better. Only at Nam. So when did you start playing guitar? I started playing guitar when I was 12. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I got my first guitar when I was younger, when I fell in love with the Beatles and the game rock band, I'd be playing it. And I was like, I want to be just like these animated rock stars up on the screen, you know, playing music and having a great time. Uh, And I took a few lessons. I was very fortunate that my parents supported me in getting a cheap, you know, Squire knockoff. Not the best guitar I've ever played, but yeah, I guess when I was young, I tried it out and I enjoyed it, but not enough to really stick with it. But it wasn't until I was 12 that I really just okay. fell in love. And I would assume because you, you've already done so much and you're 18 now. Yeah, I'm 18. You started when you were like two, but <laughs> okay, 12. So yeah. you have millions of views on your YouTube channel. So yeah, it's crazy. When did you start using that platform? And also, how did and does YouTube play into your career? Well... I started on Instagram first when I was 
about 13 or so. You can still see some of the early videos, but unfortunately, some of the earliest videos I took down, which I regret now. But yeah, I sort of started Instagram in the hopes that when I would eventually start a YouTube, I could sort of tell people to check it out and hopefully a few of them would do so. And yeah, I suppose my first YouTube video was posted maybe when I was 14. And I, I obviously am not super active on there, but I've just been posting a few videos here and there and I've been so overwhelmed and shocked by how many like real life doors that's open for me. It's amazing how the internet is. Yeah, what, like what kind of example? Well, like Ernie Ball, for example. Okay. I mean, my video was found by this guy who was part of the Brotherhood of the Guitar, which okay. obviously you may know is the group of young up and coming guitar players who are supported by Ernie Ball and Music Man. And through that, this kid showed the video to the guy in charge, Robert Knight, the legendary rock and roll photographer. And yeah, from there, he helped me get involved in the company. And Do you think YouTube is a good tool for, for young musicians? Oh, without or a any doubt. Musician, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I mean, some of the biggest musicians on the face of the planet right now, I think, got their start on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. So exposure, how, what about like as a revenue stream? Or is that too... You know, too I, I don't know too much about that, actually, yeah. to be honest. I know that there are obviously companies that will take a cut of what you do and somehow help you get more revenue. I haven't really explored that, but oh, okay. yeah, sort of like in other You don't have ad revenue on your channel. I do have ad revenue, yeah. but obviously all of my videos, because their covers are flagged. Oh, as, gotcha. You know, so the label gets, or the distribution or whoever owns the publishing rights, right. they'll get okay. a cut of that. But yeah, I'm obviously not really yeah. doing it for the money there. But Yeah. And were your parents pretty supportive? Oh, when you, uh, yeah. Got online and Just looking over stuff? to my dad right now. Absolutely. Yeah, my parents, yeah. I could not be more lucky to have just the most wonderful supportive parents and yeah they never pushed me I mean they're not musicians they love music and they really appreciate music but yeah they just were really supportive of me finding my passion so you yeah. found it on your own you don't have yeah siblings or, or parents that that had guitars around well I do have a brother okay. and he I mean I think he's one of the most musically talented individuals I've ever encountered but he's more in the area of theater and amazing actor, but also amazing singer and bass player and all that. But we would just play rock band, the video game together. And we just loved playing the game. But uh, I think I was the first one who started actually, you know, trying to pursue stringed instruments. At that time, he was playing yeah. the piano a little bit and yeah. taking some lessons, but. So you're at a point in your life where you just, you graduate high school recently? I did, last uh, June. Last yeah. June, okay. So you're at a point where most people are deciding what their next chapter looks like. In an alternate universe where you never came across the guitar, do you ever think about what, what that might look like? I do think about that a lot, actually. It's a really interesting thought to entertain. I definitely think that being creative and being artistic is just an intrinsic part of who I am. But I think that I would love to explore psychology and philosophy more. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's something I'm kind of doing anyways now. But it would be interesting to see what kind of career I could create with a philosophy degree, which is probably impossible. But it would be an interesting challenge. And see, that would bring my creativity yeah. into play as well because I'd have to find a way to make a career in a field where I, you can't really do that. <laughs> I guess it's helpful for others. Yeah, I would think philosophy majors 
should be hireable in a oh, lot of, of places. Oh, of course. Just oh, no, I agree. Other thinkers, yeah. You know? yeah, I mean, it's so helpful in every other area. I guess it's just hard when you're looking for a job as someone who's just a really good thinker, and then yeah. people don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Were you always really driven? And Like when you first picked up the, the guitar, not very first, but in the beginning, were you goal oriented where you said, I, I want to get to a certain place or was it more of an unguided process where you just pick it up, play it and eventually you get good? I think there was this thirst to be like all of the people that I am so inspired by. And I would spend a lot of time listening to the music that I loved and just want that so badly just to create music like that that could move even one person as profoundly as that music has moved me and I guess it's it's like I needed to keep practicing and I still feel that because I mean obviously I mean I'm further along than I was before but I have so much more to do and accomplish and I do recall many times when my parents had to tell me to stop practicing because I'd just be playing for like 10 hours straight. Wow. And they're like, you haven't been outside in five days. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I think Would dad say you're a pretty driven person? Mm-hmm. He nodded. <laughs> well, that's a yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dad's a very driven person. So yeah. I have people to look up to. He's, he's crazy. He's race car driver, sensei, doctor, extraordinary. Really? And a wonderful human being. Yeah. Maybe you can be the next podcast. Yeah. Sounds interesting. I, I think he should be doing the podcast right now. You'd rather yeah. hear from him. Sensei, like uh, karate? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. And what kind of doctor? I'm a psychiatrist. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You had some interest there. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my mom's a psychologist, so okay. <laughs> I mean, I definitely had a lot of that yeah. influence okay. and still do. Yeah. Okay. So until recently, you were in a band called Calpurnia. Indeed. Okay. Yes. And that's fronted by Finn Wolfhard who is the lead in the Netflix hit Stranger Things, Mike, right? Yeah. Is it Mike Wheeler? That's the character okay. name. So how did that come about? Well, back in the day, there was this music program that I did for a few years in the city called Before They Were Famous Rock School. It was just a great program and the teachers were wonderful. How and, old are you here at the camp? Uh, at this camp, the first time I went, I was probably nine or ten And I sort of, I I think I was playing bass when I went to the camp the first few times. But yeah, I did it uh, in the summer and during the school year as well. And then one time I did the camp with Finn and another guy named Malcolm. And from there, we became friends back in those days. And we played music together. And yeah, so obviously his career. So you met at the camp? Yeah. Yeah, we met at the camp. And then was there, was there a, a, a discreet moment when the band actually formed or was it just friends jamming at first? Yeah, it was just friends jamming. And then, I mean, his career obviously sort of took off and he, at that point, had the desire to put a band together. And okay, so were you already playing before Stranger Things broke? Well, I, I was playing, yeah, music way before that, for sure. You were? Yeah. No, but the, but as as Calpurnia or with those members? Yeah, just jamming, though, not as okay. an official band or anything. Okay, yeah. so then the TV show came out, and then Calpurnia got officially started after that? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. How did the Weezer connection come about? Oh, with, yeah. You had the, the Take On Me video you guys did. That was crazy. That was just a crazy experience <laughs> through and through. How did that come about? I believe it's because we did cover a few of their songs. We did El Scorcho, 
at our first ever show and obviously throughout the time we were together we'd play it at some shows mm -hmm. and then say it ain't so yeah also became sort of a regular cover song we did and yeah. then we did a spotify session where we did a cover of it and i don't know maybe that was what started the connection and i don't even know for sure okay so that cover was happened before you did the yeah the take on me video yeah okay. so maybe that was it yeah but yeah and okay. then we just got this email that they were adding a few or just an extra day at the end of our tour our, we did a tour of the states and we would just stop in la and film a music video for weezer and i was like okay that's so crazy cool. yeah. yeah it's so cool the um, Say It Ain't So cover. I love your, your guitar interpretations on that. Thank How did you, you guys come think about approaching that song, like to do your own version? Was there a lot mm. of uh, deliberation or did it just kind of come together naturally? I think it's safe to say in that specific project uh, with Calpurnia, there was never really any deliberation about okay. anything at all. We just put our own touch on it, you know, by the fact that we play our instruments, you know, differently than... Weezer would approach the right, song. Right. I guess it just created something yeah, yeah. somewhat different, but still yeah. obviously I think a pretty faithful rendition of yeah, the song yeah, as well. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so now you're in a band called Ludic. Indeed. And you already had Ludic together. Yeah. Before that, you were already playing with these guys? Yeah, Ludic okay. sort of started at the exact same time, or maybe a little bit before actually. Because I mean, I obviously was jamming with Finn and Malcolm, and then Jack, the bass player from Calpurnia, separately for a long time. Jack's actually, I think, the first person I ever really played music with. Okay. Yeah, but that was sort of a totally separate thing. And then with Ludic, I met Max and Rhett, the brothers, at a jam. And I think we started jamming together officially before Calpurnia like, officially became sort of a, okay. a band. So yeah. Where did the, the name Ludic come from? Well, it's funny, Max and Rhett, they had the name before I even met them. Okay. Because they they have a band that they're in called The Escapes and they've been playing together for years and years. But they themselves also wanted to sort of go off and just do something a little different for themselves. And I think it was their mom who came forth this idea that, you know, the way they were playing music was like spontaneous and undirected yeah. and playful, which is literally the definition yeah. of the word ludic. Okay. And so, yeah, they had that. And I think that project was already sort of brewing for mm -hmm. a long time. And then they met me and then it kind of just made sense to add yeah. me to that. Okay. And I'm very grateful that they did so. <laughs> and so, so writing wise, genre wise, is this more of a direction that you're comfortable with? And cause you're doing a lot of the writing. With Ludic, right? Yeah, I mean, we all write together, okay. the three of us, a lot. I mean, obviously, some songs are more coming from an idea I initially started. Sometimes it's more Max's idea. And then, obviously, Rhett takes it to another level with, you know, adding the groove elements and all that. But I'd say it's definitely a very fundamental part of my artistic expression. I mean, obviously, mm. I still love rock and roll, and I think that's absolutely an avenue I will always want to explore and continue developing in and yeah. that being said, I feel like the rock and roll spirit can be brought to any style of music. Yeah, so how would yeah. you describe your current music? Yeah, I would say generally just art pop maybe, but okay. I guess it has elements of pop, but I think it's more the art part that is sort of defining the sound because I think through us incorporating a lot of like soul and jazz and funk, it just sort of becomes something obviously very different from 
yeah. you know, like a pop song. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah. Do you do you prefer writing lyrics or music, one or the other? Well, I definitely find the music part easier. I yeah. think I'm I'm such a perfectionist and I love writing so much. And it's not that I don't enjoy writing the lyrics. I just find that that takes a lot more time and sort of trying to chisel away at, you know, what am I trying to say and what is the best, most poetic, but also artistic way to say it, I suppose. And yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, so what are, what are Ludic's goals? Do you guys set like a 2020 resolution or anything? I mean, overarchingly, I guess the resolution is just build off of the foundation that we've been trying to establish so far. And obviously it's very much songwriting driven. Like we just want to write the best songs possible and put out as much music as possible. And obviously we have an album written. It's almost done uh, in the recording process, but we do have to finish a few more songs. But we've already started writing the second record. Just perform as much as possible and I guess see what opportunities arise. Yeah. And yeah. All right, let's take a quick break, come back and talk about releasing music in the streaming age, your influences and beyond. Fit them in small crevices, bend them every which way in any angle. Our new Ernie Ball flat ribbon patch cables allow you to freely position your pedals to maximize space on your pedal board. These flexible, metal-housed cables are better shielded than traditional patch cables with built-in strain relief that ensures your audio signal shielded all the way from tip to tip. Multiple shielding materials preserve the signal with low handling noise and the durable PVC jacket exterior ensures long-lasting performance. Offered in 3, 6, 12, and 24-inch length options, visit ErnieBall.com to learn more. Now back to our show. So you've put out singles so far, correct? Mm -hmm, yeah. What's your philosophy on that? Do you, is that kind of the way to go instead of doing an entire album? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we've been trying to do as much research as possible. And I guess analyzing the people who are successful and trying to figure out, you know, why are they successful and what are they doing? And obviously it's a very different world now in how music is being put out and consumed. And it definitely appears to be more single driven than ever before. I think albums still have a place and a lot of people still love albums, but I think no one's going to listen to an album unless they already are in love with the artist. Yeah. And so I guess the singles are the way to make people hopefully fall in love with you in some way. Yeah. What about recording though? Is it less efficient doing one at a time or, or are you recording more, more songs mm. at once and then releasing them slowly? Yeah. Well, we do have songs that we recorded a long time ago that we're just putting out when we think it's the right time to put out. Yeah. I guess we so far have only been recording in smaller sessions, like one or two songs at a time. So I can't speak to whether or not we'd have a more efficient experience, yeah. you know, recording it all at once. Though we're going to be doing that in a few weeks, actually, in February, just to get the last part of the album done. Yeah. I just interviewed Ilan Rubin and his band, The New Regime, recorded an album and decided to break it up into fourths. So hmm. he'd release, you know, four songs, wait a few months, release, release another four. He recorded it as an album. It's just, he figured it was, people could digest it easier if they just take four songs at once. And then there's something new. And he kind of stay fresh that way too. Yeah. And then eventually after he has the last bit out, he'll have it as, as one single album, I guess, yeah. on Spotify. That, I mean, that's a really interesting strategy. I actually, yeah. th we considered something similar to that, just sort of what would happen if we put out two EPs worth of songs. But I think what we found too is 
it kind of games the system a little bit to have song by song. Because mm. I, I don't know, the algorithm, the Spotify algorithm yeah. seems to like singles, which is interesting. Yeah, that is. Yeah. yeah. But hey, that, that's, that's good to know. Yeah. I mean, don't quote me on it. I would do your own research just yeah. in case I'm wrong. But So who are some of the bands that Ludic has played with so far? We this year had the opportunity to open for Snarky Puppy, which was crazy, and Brittany Howard, which was so crazy, and also Catfish and the Bottleman, which was really cool because obviously I, I haven't heard too much of their music, but I know that a lot of people love them. But yeah, I mean, obviously Snarky Puppy and Brittany Howard are so influential to us, and they're wonderful people. I mean, when you get to meet your heroes and they're actually great people, I don't think there's anything better than that. That's so great. So how did you get to open for them? Did it, was it uh, management? Did yeah, they... I guess. Well, we don't have a manager at the okay. moment, but our booking agent, he works closely with a lot of the guys from Snarky Puppy. And how did the Brittany Howard thing come about? I don't know. I guess they just reached out and it ended up working. And uh, yeah, that's so great. so they reached out to you. What an honor. Yeah, that's well, cool. we reached out to them first, okay. and then they reached back. They accepted, yeah. They accepted our yeah. reached out hand, <laughs> and that's just great. Yes. <laughs> Who are some of your favorite guitar players? Well, cliche answer, but for good reason. Jimi Hendrix, obviously. For every reason, just as a songwriter, as a performer, as an artist, fashion icon, but most of all, just the way he played guitar. Groundbreaking and soul, just oozing from every note. Incredible, incredible artist. Uh, who else? Many people. Wes Montgomery, B.B. King. It's hard because there's so many guitar players that I love. It's hard to yeah, choose, yeah, you know, know, just the select few. But yeah, definitely people like that I've always really looked up to. Okay. Yeah. How about how about albums? <laughs> like do you, do you like want albums that were really influential for you? Okay. Well, I can think of a lot, but just lately I've really been thinking about how much I love the album Countdown to Ecstasy by Steely Dan. Okay. Amazing guitar work on that album. Just amazing. And amazing songwriting. And I just fall in love with that album more and more every time I listen to it. And I just love Steely Dan very, very much. Uh, what else? Inner Visions by Stevie Wonder. Obviously, just spectacular songwriting. Yeah. It's <laughs> just amazing. It's, it's crazy how good of an artist Stevie Wonder is. Love him. So you're drawn much. to the older stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I listen to a lot of modern music for sure. Okay. I love a lot of artists that are coming out now. But Any, anything pop in your head? Hmm. Current artists? Well, Brittany Howard, I think, is incredible. She put out an album this year, her first solo album, because obviously she was doing the Alabama Shake stuff, which is amazing. But her solo record that she put out this year, I think, just moved me so profoundly. It was oh. just amazing. I'll check amazing it out. music, yeah. And Angel Olsen put out an album called All Mirrors, which I think also has amazing songwriting. Very Scott Walker-esque with just like very avant-garde string arrangements and just really, really wonderful songwriting. And I should probably ask you about guitar strings. So, sure. Um, <laughs> what, uh, which ones do you play? Well, I like the classics. Just what, what's, yeah, regular, regular slinky. slinky. 10 to 46. Exactly, yeah. exactly what's on the table right now. I just wanted to see if that was it. It is it. There that's it is. exactly what you would find in my basement. Yep. Yeah. That's the most popular for a reason. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I mean, I obviously do have a few guitars with other string gauges, just if that suits the guitar better or I'm just in the mood to try something different. But yeah, I, I like the feel of 10s. Gives you a little bit to fight against, just a little bit. But I'm a very vibrato and bend oriented player. So yeah. I hate having to 
sing and also do like a gnarly two-step bend at the same time, but it hurts mm. yeah. and then you can hear it in your voice and it's just, it's not good. And I've tried it and I don't want to ever do it again. So tens are great. <laughs> How about singing? Have you always sung? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely think that the past year or two, I've really tapped into sort of what I want my voice to sound like. And it's not like I'm choosing what I want my voice to sound like, but I mean like sort of tapping into what my individual strengths are and like what makes my voice unique and trying to just build upon that. And there's this really interesting philosophy that I heard when I did a music program at the Musicians Institute a few years ago. And I think this applies to all aspects of music, but the teacher was saying that you could be a jack of all trades, which is amazing, or you could just find what your you know, inherent strengths are and just become the master of your own corner of the universe. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's some unbelievable singers out there. There are obviously some unbelievable guitarists out there that just have technical ability in spades. Yeah, and yeah. I so admire that. And I think that it's incredible that people can do that. But I personally don't really ever feel a drive to be that person. So I guess it's sort yeah, of trying to tap day, it's, into it's art it's music it's not yeah. the olympics well i mean some unless marker. that's what's important to you but i mean yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i guess yeah for me it's like songwriting focused and definitely what's the most expressive and emotional soulful yeah. kind of yeah well, way like you of said you want to move people yeah exactly yeah. yeah so i guess it's sort of finding out what is ayla's sound yeah. and just trying to master that as much as i can all right yeah. ayla tesla mabe thanks for being on the podcast thanks for having me Thanks for tuning in to Striking a Chord, a podcast presented by Ernie Ball. Thanks to Ayla for being on the podcast. It's nice to get some young blood on the show, and we look forward to watching her career continue to unfold. If you'd like to contact us, you can email strikingaccord at ernieball.com. If you had to pick one country for your band to get big in, besides, say, the U.S. and Canada, what would you choose? Have to be Japan. We were actually really? having this conversation yesterday. I think Japan is just such a splendid country. The culture and the people and the way people appreciate music there is just incredible. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. I have the same thought, but I've never been there. Yeah, just, I've never but, been there either. But just the, what I know of the culture, and it seems like it'd be so fun to be yeah. in a band in Japan. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Such a fan of the food. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm going to put your level up. Okay. Little. Sounds good.